loved hearing Jake in his introduction say that he liked doing the worship. That was good. But then how do I make it better? Because that's where we are all the time. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Enneagram podcast, where we talk about the Enneagram in the context of work. Allow me to introduce our two guests today who are both Enneagram Type 1s. First, we have Jake Geyer, who is currently a production director for a non-denominational church. Welcome to the show, Jake. Thank you. Our second guest is a dear, dear friend of mine, Jana Whitaker, who is actively involved in many things. She is a refit and yoga instructor, a mom of three adult children, and she's now adjusting to the new role of being a grandmother. Jana, I'm so thrilled to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelsey. All right, guys. My time that we have together, my goal for that time is to give our listeners a peek into the Enneagram One. So I know it's always fun because I'm an Enneagram One. It's always fun to have these conversations because I feel like even though I'm an Enneagram coach, y'all teach me so many things. So I'm excited to hear what y'all have to say. And I'm just grateful that y'all are here. I would hope our listeners would get to see some of the similarities because there will be some overlap on Enneagram Ones. And this series, we're focusing on the wings, which is the number adjacent Mm -hmm. to your main type. Mm -hmm. So we have a nine wing, we have a two wing. We have both wings. That's a common myth. Most people think you only have one, but you have both. We tend to be more developed in one than the other. And Jake, you're probably more developed in your nine wing from conversations we've had. Yep. And Jana, you're more developed in your two wing. That's true. So what I'd love for our listeners to hear is where is their overlap in the oneness that we have? And then where is there some differentiation on where those wings show up and work um, on the nine side and the two side? But first, I want to get some foundation on your current career, your job, and who you are. So, Jake, tell me, how long have you worked as a production director, and was that something you've always wanted to do? I started working in kind of the church uh, background right out of high school. Oh, cool. Um, But I was doing, I was actually doing like the worship music sort of side of things, and that was a huge passion of mine. When you say doing worship music, like you were singing, playing guitar. Sure, yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah, kind of leading the band, leading worship, um, and, and kind of approaching things that way. And actually what got me into production was my background where I grew up in the churches I grew up in. Production wasn't like a huge point. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, hey, whatever we had, like, let's just do whatever. And yeah. and and so kind of my heart went towards, well, what if we could just make it better? What if we could do all these cool things and, uh-huh. and really apply technology? And like, what that was my heart. Very cool. And so I, I kind of transitioned out of doing worship. I did worship at the church I was at for like five years. Wow. And then I started working at another church doing just production. So like audio, lighting, um, visual stuff. And that was just a really cool way to approach sort of the worship environment from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to make things as good as they possibly can. And um, I think there's just something really unique, specifically in that little niche environment. Absolutely. Um, that that can be cool. And so you kind of have this marriage of like, you know, the the church kind of culture and then like using technology that, you know, might be a weird sort of deal, but just kind of blending those two things together, I think is, is important. And um, that's kind of what I'm passionate about. And so, and so, yeah, I've, I've done production now for uh, maybe four or five years. That's awesome. I moved here from the Northwest uh, about a year and a half ago and, uh, and I've been doing production down here 
from a cultural perspective? How is it from the Northwest to the South? Um, they are different in in small ways. I, I guess I, I at first didn't really notice a whole lot, but you know, I, I feel like where I'm plugged in now, there's just there's just a certain realness, mm. um, like a very, a very, what's the word, a very obvious realness of the people that I get to work with. And, and not that I didn't have that before. Um, it's just that it's just very like, it, even in day to day living, just people who, who, you know, people are who they are. And there's no like, at least the people that I'm I'm in community with, it's just they, they yeah. are who they are. There's not like a like a front that anyone's trying to put up. And, That's awesome. and and so that was, I think, the biggest thing of just noticing, like, it's okay just to be who you are and, like, embrace that. And and obviously, that's kind of what we're talking about today. Right. I think we, for the us native Texans, Jan, I don't know if you can hear it, but the way you say can, can, I can hear it. I'm like, oh, that's not a Texas <laughs> accent. So I, I love it. He's not from here. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I'm just trying to blend in. I can't. There, there it is again. <laughs> It's the best. Oh, um, awesome. I'm gonna be saying that later. Just like I don't know why I hear it, and I want to emulate it. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, I can. can. That's awesome. Can, can. <laughs> it's amazing. So I think something that is really neat that you have that not every production director has, or not every production technician, or even in that industry has, is the experience of being the leader, playing the instrument singing yeah. and knowing how that plays into production and being able to pair that together that is huge because there can be a disconnect between I don't I don't know what you're asking me to do when the worship sure. leader's like I need I need more bass or sure. I need more piano or I need sure. this and you're like it's fine sure so I'd love that you can kind of say I've been there I know what it's like to be up on stage and know like here's how these things work and on the back end yeah. I can support that would you say that's a fair statement man that's that is a, a very like underrated statement um and i've loved being able to sort of look at the worship and production space as one whole thing but but approach it from different angles all the time because cool. because i do think that's important to be able to be well-rounded at least for me in my sort of career it's like being able to serve the moment Mm -hmm. exactly how it needs to be served and so to be able to have experience doing worship and then also production it's just like it it, it has it has served me well um to be able to do that do you ever miss just doing worship full-time being on stage <laughs> yeah i mean i do love it um and i i am able to actually um because we have a college ministry at the church at the church i'm at and um i'm actually able to to do the worship for that every week and cool. so it's kind of a nice outlet for me that's good yeah, I've you heard know. you sing. You're very good. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Um, I love to just to be in that environment, the worship production environment. And so whatever it is, if I'm playing keys in the band or if I'm, you know, mixing audio or running slides, like all of it is just is is really fulfilling to me because every part of it, I, I do believe, is is important. I love that. That's good. Thanks, Jake. All right, Jana, give me a rundown of your background. I know a little bit of your story, and I love I love hearing how you and your husband, Mark, who's an Enneagram 2, came to the decision of, okay, we're going to have kids, which means you put your career on hold or you completely shift. And yeah. so give us a little rundown of your background and what you're doing now that you're passionate about. Sure, Kelsey. Yeah, my uh, original, my degree was in um, information technology. So I started as uh, computer software development. And then like a lot of women, you know, as our families grow, our roles kind of need to shift. Mm -hmm. And I was really blessed to 
after working for a, a season to have a season that I got to stay home and raise three daughters. And then once they kind of got, you know, more self-sufficient, um, started thinking about going back to work. But by this point, you know, every operating system, computer coding language, everything had, whoop, you know, totally so changed. My yes. husband, Mark, was so gracious to say, well, what do you, what do you like to do? And I'm like, mm -mm, exercise. <laughs> But, but I mean, awesome. the truth is I actually had kind of come through a real low point in my life where my health was bad. And part of restoring my health was, you know, finding uh, group fitness and it, mm -hmm. you know, brought me joy. And then I think being one, oftentimes there's so many good things that I want to be involved in. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's hard to prioritize your self-care. Maybe that's my two wing showing. Mm -hmm. But I remember one day kind of thinking to myself. I'm getting a little older, you know, how do I make sure that I anchor exercise? And I thought, well, if I taught, well, then I'd have to go. You nice. know? <laughs> and so, um, so that's kind of what moved me into group fitness instruction, which I just dearly love. It's so very different than my career before, but <laughs> yes. I think that's where my uh, one, correct me, Kelsey, if I don't say this right, one's insecurity becomes sevens. And people who know me just from the gym space will swear up and down I'm a seven, yes. which um, which just means that's kind of my flow state. It just brings me a lot of joy. Yes. I love what I get to do leading group fitness. And yes. so that's, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Mm -hmm. As one of your refit students, I, I <laughs> I could have sworn you were a seven. I was like, yeah, Janet, I'm just textbook seven. <laughs> so that's very true. Awesome. I think that that joy, it just overflows there. So thank you for sure. giving us the rundown there. Okay. What would y'all say that you are enjoying most about your job and your work, what you're doing in life right now? The group I, I work with it, on staff, it, they're very collaborative. Um, and so it, the space I work in primarily is a very creative space. And so mm -hmm. to be creative and collaborative, it's always just like back and forth mm -hmm. and, and, you know, making things as good as they can. And there it is again. <laughs> now, now you got me thinking about it. I love it. <laughs> um, and so I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's that's been a really, really cool avenue um, to be able to have a, a collaborative, creative environment, um, which is really cool. But then again, like the biggest thing that I, I tend to look at things as, okay, what's the point of what we're doing? And for me, it's like in, in working in a church in ministry, it's, it's, it's just this really cool thing where what you're doing, it pours into people mm -hmm. and, and then hopefully they can, you know, see life change. And that's what I love doing. And that's why I think it's really cool. Yeah. Jenna, how about you? Yeah. One, one thing I love about group fitness, you know, clearly it's something that's good for me, but I, it's good for everybody. And so it's really just such an honor to get to help create space where I feel like I'm helping people improve their own health. And, you know, one reason I came to the formats in particular that I did is they both are faith infused in different ways and allow me to kind of share, you know, gently offer my faith. So I feel like I'm helping people um, become stronger in their bodies, but also a healthy place for them to grow in their spirit and in their relationships. And there's just a lot of good. I, I love how, you know, one's just one of our core values is I want to be good. And mm -hmm. and I loved hearing Jake in his introduction say that he liked doing the worship. That was good. But then how do I make it better? Because <laughs> that's where we are all the Absolutely. time. And so he kind of came to production because he, he had good, but he thought, I think I can make this better. And so, you know, my own exercises for my sake, that's good. But to get to bring other people into that space and help create that environment where they can thrive and grow in their health and um, in other aspects of their development, that just, it's even better better and brings me a lot of joy. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to piggyback off of that. So how, aside from what we just talked about, because you summed up the one, the, the core desires so well, 
How do you know, aside from those things, that you're an Enneagram one? Well, first I took the test. Nice. <laughs> and it and it said I was. So <laughs> so that must be right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think just that striving for kind of, yeah, just making things better and and also kind of the inner critic has been a huge part of my life in trying to navigate that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the inner critic is, again, I'm not the most educated on the Enneagram, but I don't know if that's a part of any other Enneagram numbers. But for me, like, you know, that's been a, a huge source spot, but also motivation. And, and so kind of balancing that. And um, I think that's probably why I would I would think that. But then again, also, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one's, again, desire to be good and to be, to have that sort of as a firm foundation. And like, that's just like, I feel like my whole life, I'm mm-hmm. just like, I have to do good and be viewed as good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. That's to my awesome. own detriment at times, but. Yeah. But, yeah. But the sure. blessing is always the curse. Yes. yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh, that's really good. To your question, does the inner critic show up in other numbers? I would say yes, but not to the degree that it shows up for sure. the one. It is almost like your inner critic is attached to your person. Sure. Whereas other types, it shows up every now, like the mailman. Yeah. Like, oh, my inner critic's here for a little bit. Hmm. Oh, weird. Interesting. Yeah. Ours is with us all the time. And as children, we tend to think that it's a friend growing up. We think that it's there to help give us structure and we really expect that, okay, it's the inner critic that's helping us yeah. be good. We're usually very good children. We want to get good grades. We want to do the right things. We like to follow the rules, make us feel <laughs> safe, uh, yep. and they make sense to us. Yeah. And so we tend, ones tend to be good in that regard of right. wanting to do the right things, mm-hmm. uh, which to that note su- doesn't surprise me at all that there's a faith element in what both of you do is because mm-hmm. there's a level of goodness that we feel Um coming from yeah. our faith and mm-hmm. we we're just drawn to that yeah, yeah. absolutely what about you how do you know that you're an enneagram one jana you know i originally read the road back to you it's just great i'm sure you, you, know, so you direct good. your readers to it absolutely. but as as i read the page describing a one you know i i yes 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 it was just like seeing myself in a mirror honestly one of the best benefits to the enneagram was kind of this astonishment like what you mean there are eight other numbers mm-hmm. cuz you just you know it's like water that you swim in right i you only see the world as you are and honestly that was one of the best blessings of studying the enneagram was that it I think not only helped me, I like that um, the authors of that book talk about how the purpose is for our own sanctification to help Mm -hmm. bring us closer to middle, but then also to bring us more appreciatively closer to people who come at life different than we do Mm -hmm. and to see them with more compassion. Mm -hmm. I think it's great, Jake, that you are learning about the Enneagram when your child is young. Um, I wish I had known it sooner because I think it would have helped me even while I had my children younger in my home to recognize that they're we're all just different and we bring different gifts to the table in ways that balance each other out so yeah i'm definitely a one and my wing two is pretty evident as well and, and okay. it, those things are almost hard for me to separate because mm. they're both kind of tell so me about that core in my identity well you know again you know we we already mentioned our faith you know i look back at my you know origin story that you know god said man was good but he needed a helper and mm. so he gave him a woman and <laughs> and i i honestly i love that mm-hmm. i love that i love that the same word for helper used in the book of genesis is 
um, the same word referred to as the Holy Spirit yes. later in the New Testament. Neither. So to me, that's a really honoring high calling on my life that as a one, I want to be good. And as a, a, my wing two, I want to help people. And I naturally am very much an advocate for the people I love, um, always trying to, you know, do what I can to serve them and bless them and help them. And it's just, it's kind of like an extension of, it's just who you are. You can't right. help it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's well said. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Where do you see your oneness or your two wing get you in trouble, if anywhere? That's a great question, Kelsey. You know, thankfully, by the grace of God, <laughs> you know, I'm not who I once was. And so I look back, you know, I can see growth in my life from 10 years ago and mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Um, and honestly, Jake, since you brought up <clears throat> the inner critic, that I can hear that once in a while in my brain, but I've literally learned to shush it. And here's mm. what I say. I say, I am an imperfect person. Mm. <sighs> and I, I live <laughs> in an imperfect world mm. because I think ones have this drive all the time that I want to do what's good and what's right. And doesn't everybody? And sure. and yet I'm an imperfect person. I'm flawed. I'm, yeah. you know, and I'm living in this imperfect world. And so for me to, it's, I, we can err when we think we've got to, you know, play that too heavily because then it can come across as controlling mm -hmm. to other people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful that, you know, I can see growth in my life. You know, I'm not where I want to be yet, but um, definitely I not where I, where I used to be. And I'm, I think I'm easier on myself. I read a fabulous book recently that I honestly want to buy and give to everyone Enneagram one in my life called Try Softer. Oh, um, by it's Andy Colbert. Yes, you know the book, Kelsey. It's wonderful. Okay, you're. I literally wanted to bring you a copy. Um, it's so good, and she is herself a. Um, she kind of comes at her book as a counselor. She's mm -hmm. also like a psychologist. Mm -hmm. She approaches or, with a Christian worldview, so it's kind of a beautiful integration of of those things. And I think she speaks so much to the experience of the one that oftentimes as children, I think we're trying to be good. Um, maybe we think we've got to be better all the time. And so you, she kind of describes this white knuckling. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just trying harder. Like my motto in life, just try harder and try harder and try harder. And instead she gives this new paradigm of, huh, try softer, try softer. And, um, and of course, there's so much to it that I can't explain in the time we have no, together. You summed it up beautifully. Wow, well, I tell you. It mm. is. It's a wonderful book. It is. I wish I'd read that sooner because it's mm. been new in my life and I'm still in my mind kind of working. <laughs> yeah. It's wow. good. Good stuff. That's good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I love that. All right, Jake, how do you see your nine wing show up and what makes you say that you're more developed in the, the nine wing? Well, I think uh, so when you sent those videos to us to kind of refresh and um, literally the first thing I think you said about a one wing nine is that they're in conflict with each other. And literally like that is my internal struggle all the time of like, should I step in and take charge or should I just be cool about yep. it? And literally like that is every situation that I approach. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm literally in conflict with myself. Flip and a coin. Oh, no, literally. We're like, taking charge. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and, I'm, and so I'm just trying to learn like, mm -hmm. and, and especially like working like in a church environment where, you know, you, you have to be like loving and like, yes. And, and like, that's, that's a core thing. Learning to kind of like be more like that and learning my spots when I need to just, you know, stay firm. Um, and then to have a softer hand. Um, and so that that is like an ever never ending sort of tension, tension in my life that I'm learning how to manage. <laughs> Hopefully. Yes. I don't yes. know. But, but yeah. I, yeah. And then <clears throat> with the sort of inner critic stuff, um, I would say that I'm learning um, even. Well, 
the past year and a half has been very challenging for us because we we moved away from all of our family and mm-hmm. then had our first kid and I started a new job and and then my wife who is also a wing or a, a one wing two. So we're a household of two ones. Amazing. Which is surprising to people. And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess that's surprising. I don't know. We've we've uh, we've made it made it work. On that note, or do y'all always have fights about who's right? <laughs> or do y'all feel No, like- never. <laughs> Cause I'm always right. But r- obviously. <laughs> just, just kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. And no, and, and I was telling um when I first moved here, someone asked, I actually think it was one of the people I work with, and they were like, uh, so you're both ones? And I'm like, yeah, and they're like, oh. Your house must be very clean. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, not to our standards, but <laughs> maybe cleaner. I don't know. That's awesome. Um, but well, with the inner critic, I, I I have learned to sort of not take myself as seriously, mm-hmm. um, especially like in in the work that I do. Um, sort of what you said, like we're we're imperfect. Mm-hmm. That is just the fact. That is the cold hard mm-hmm. fact. So we will never be able to be perfect in that. And so that's helped me sort of realize like, like, okay, like I can just take a, take a beat take a breath. Um, I think where my inner critic comes in the most is making sure, um, I, I care probably way too much what people think about me in the sense of like, okay, do they think that I'm a whole person who is good? Yep. That's probably where it gets me into the most trouble is just always like trying to make sure that I'm positioning myself in a way that, you know, doesn't stand too close to things that, you know, maybe looked at or construed as bad that way that I'm not lumped into that. Because if I'm lumped into that, then. Then it causes conflict and your nine wings like, what? Like, yeah, right. And so just trying to like, I mean, it's been a tightrope, right? Like just trying mm-hmm. to figure out like that path forward. And and so um, I think that's, yeah, probably where it gets me in the most trouble, I would say. Um, if that I makes love sense. that. It totally does. I found my prayer recently is very similar. It's like, Lord, would you please deliver me from the fear of man mm-hmm. and just bring me home to the fear of, of you, like the the holy reverence for who you are. Um, and I would love to know insights because I don't think um, we're the only ones that struggle with that. I don't think it's just a one thing, but insights on where do you see that maturity from moving away from caring so much about what other people think of you and moving into confidence in what the Lord is calling you to do and, and security in that? Any thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. One I'm still wrestling with. I, I mean, bluntly, I just, I, within the last year and a half, I've just started realizing that what people think literally does not matter. Mm-hmm. And I like, that's not that profound, but literally like I, there was just a shift in my mentality when, you know, the stuff going on in my life, my wife's life, our, our kind of lives was just more important than, you know, what the voices, mm. you know, had to say about me. Like it, it, that's honestly kind of prideful if I'm, if I'm thinking, oh, they're thinking about me. It's like, dude, they got their own, whoever they is. It's just, right. the, you know, the voices, the fear of, you know. It just doesn't matter. Um, And so I'm just, I'm telling myself that all the time. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, it's okay. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus has grace for us. And so that, that's literally what matters. And so I just, I literally tell myself that all the time now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's helped quite a bit. Yeah. I love that. And so it gives, it almost gives sort of a a pressure relief Mm -hmm. um, from that. And then also a, a sort of confidence. It's just like, you know, it's, it's all good. You know, I can, I can shrug my shoulders a bit. It's all good. Right. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Dana, what would you add? Oh, gosh. Um, I was just kind of amusing myself with a thought, Kelsey. I, I wondered <laughs> if – I've had this kind of theory in my brain. I don't know that I've shared it, that you could almost 
pinpoint somebody's um, Enneagram type based on if you just asked him like favorite passages of scripture that resonate with you. Totally. And one that I return to and have, you know, for a long, long time. Well, first, you know, we I want to do it what's right. I want to make sure, you know, this audience of one, I kind of remind myself that I really have an audience. It's just just God and me. That's all that really matters. And so I return to Micah 6 8, like, you know, Lord, what do you require of me? What do you want of me? You know, to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with my God. And I'm like, okay. Philippians 4a, you know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, mm. whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, think about these things. If anything's excellent and praiseworthy. And so those are the those guiding passages that always mm. I return to. But at the same time, the balance of knowing that, you know, Jesus was holy and he yes. commands us to be holy. And I'm like, oh, dang. But then yet there's so still so much yes. ground to cover. I think that helps me a lot to just reframe that this is who I'm I'm serving. I love coming back to scripture to like declare that in yeah. a way too. Mm -hmm. Of like, okay, I can tell that I care what people think and that's not a great motivation. So Lord, what is it that you require of me? Mm -hmm. I do think you're onto something. I think if we listen to people's worship playlists mm -hmm. and if we found like their favorite Bible verses or the stories or the characters, like ones tend to really like Paul. And I think he has a lot of Enneagram One tendencies. Like uh, we were like, yeah, Paul, Paul gets it. He knows right from wrong. Like, yep. just would sure. you listen to the guy? Sure. Just <laughs> <laughs> it makes yeah. sense to yeah. us. I never thought of it like that, but that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. That's a good theory. Yeah, I that's like cool. It. We'll I test like that it out. a lot. I don't know how we're going to test it out. If there's a scholar out there uh, listening, <laughs> well, even sure. if you ask people, like, just what is your favorite verse? And it's interesting how people have wildly different answers. Yes. To that, and I think it kind of tells a little bit about your those core motivations. That that's yeah. so what funny. Are Mine is every good and perfect thing. See, perfect. Yeah. Belongs the word in there. Come from the Lord. Yep. Yeah. And and good. Mm -hmm. And good. Yeah, that's good. good. What's yours? What's your favorite Bible? I do verse? nothing out of uh, selfish ambition or vain conceit. Mm -hmm. To me, I'm like that's literally the most honorable thing you could do. Absolutely. And I do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but that is like the if that is like the image of like you know. Yes, that's good. Oh, fun. Okay, this was not a question that I had prepared, so I apologize that I'm going to go off topic here. But I have noticed. From my own perspective, I've watched errors happen in both of your environments, and I've just had the privilege of seeing that. Um, a production error happens at church, and you very coolly walk to the back, and I was like looking, and it, because I'm curious, I'm like, how are they going to handle it? Sure. And if I know that you're one, I'm like, is is he shaming himself? <sighs> is like, is he internally like murdering himself? Yes. <laughs> Yes. And then, <laughs> because I'm so t attuned to it, I'm like, here's how I would be like, hey, we got this. And internally, yeah. I'm like, how could you let this happen? Yeah. Um, and that's not so much ourselves as it is the inner critic, just pointing mm -hmm. out um, our own flaws and not not extending that grace and not letting us try softer. But I was so impressed with how calm and cool and collected you were. And then with Refit, you call your quote mistakes. You say there are no mistakes. There are um, unexpected solos. Unexpected solos. That's right. So we, we're doing a move. I love that. I love and that. And then everybody else is so used. The muscle memory goes, and then you've jumped ahead or something. And very rarely does this even ever happen. But I, it stuck out to me because you call it unexpected solos or yeah. intentional moments, uh, highlight moments, something well, like that. And so, well, I'll tell you the truth, and I'm sure yes. Jake could mirror this. At first, like when I was new at my job. 
it was mortifying. Like literally there was nothing worse than to mess up. And I was really hard on myself. And then over some time, especially in the environment I'm in, and although yours is not too dissimilar, Mm -hmm. you know, we want people to be in the moment and to be here without any self-condemnation or judgment. Mm -hmm. And we're modeling that. Yeah. And so I want people just to show up and have a good time. And so I have learned literally to laugh at my mistakes because Mm -hmm. I don't want to take myself too seriously. And, you know, one of Refit's core values is just participation and not perfection. And that really has gotten easier um, as I've stayed, you know, in this industry for for 10 years. But it didn't used to be. I think there are a lot of things you just have to press through the heart and stay with it. And it gets... I love the idea of better. laughing at it too. Yeah. Just, it lightens the mood so much. Absolutely. That's fun. Because yeah, when we're hard on ourselves, I think it almost telegraphs to other people that I'm judging you too, yeah. which I'm not. But right. I think it helps yeah. to adopt a non judgmental attitude toward totally. ourselves so that people cannot be hard on themselves. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's I, think, so good. I think that that's something I've learned. And it. I think it depends for me what kind of hat I'm wearing. Yeah. If it's just production, it's like, yeah, like, you you know, you're dealing with people that, you know, like you said, need to be in the moment. And and if you come in, you know, all, you know, just like, hey, we got to fix this, what, whatever it is. It's yeah. just like that, that hurts them um, and it hurts yourself. And so, you know, just in that moment, I think probably for me, though, like if I was doing so, like if I was doing like music or um, wearing that hat. I think I'd be a lot harder on myself, mm. you know, because if you miss a note or things like that. But I, I have learned to honestly get a lot better at that. I think sort of what you were saying, like when you were newer at your job, it was very like you took it personally. It's like, oh, I messed up. And that's very true for me, too. Um, but I've just been I feel like I've been doing those sorts of roles for long enough that it's it's kind of worked itself down to where I can um, not take it so personally and as as shameful kind of what you said Mm -hmm. but um so i do think just time time doing it really helps for sure yeah that's so good ah i love that that's such good stuff okay i'm gonna end on this question so many of the listeners are struggling or wrestling with work in the sense of a hot topic is burnout and silent quitting have you are you familiar with the term silent quitting I just read about this and Ben has educated me because he's so smart. But silent quitting is, in a nutshell, is basically, from my perspective, people are so tired that they don't, they genuinely just don't have the energy that they had pre-COVID to invest in their job. And so silent quitting is a way of like, well, I'm not going to raise any alarms and I'm just going to do the bare minimum Mm -hmm. so that I can get by and pay my bills and just pay my bills. From an Enneagram One perspective, I don't think we know how to do that um, on one level. On the second level, it's so heartbreaking to me that people are disconnected yeah. from their passion, from what they're doing. And um, I would love for y'all to just give advice to if there's an Enneagram One out there that maybe is struggling with, I'm just trying to get by and I'm trying to do the bare minimum because I I feel like I'm burnt out or I'm stuck in a job that I don't love. What advice would you give to them? Do you want to answer first? It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good question. You know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is just some self-care. Mm. You know, typically ones are very intrinsically motivated. Mm. Um, 
I wanted to affirm Jake earlier because I think ones oftentimes make pretty good independent workers because mm -hmm. we we have good vision. We know what we want to do. We're motivated to do what's good and what's right. And so oftentimes that we can do it to our standards. Right. right exactly. And honestly, I think a, a more collaborative environment that you are in is more <laughs> um, challenging, honestly, because yeah. you have to, you know, you're now you're part of a group and we have to merge everybody's mm -hmm. opinions right. and, and mm -hmm. take instruction. Right. And that's where I think a nine wing is really a, a blessing. Mm -hmm. I'm backtracking just a little bit, but I think it's great because nines are the sweetheart of the Enneagram, right, Kelsey? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, ones naturally can have a very like, you know, they, I've read if you want to get something done, entrust it to a one because they <laughs> will do the work of two people and they're responsible and they're hardworking yes. <laughs> and, and that. But I think it's great to be a nine because not only do you have this strong task oriented but you also are balancing it with an awareness of the people sure. in the room and how you're being perceived. And sure. so they're really a beautiful blending of the two. So, mm -hmm. and I think what you do is, is that's even more challenging <laughs> that you thrive in the environment you're in. Cause I think a lot of ones almost prefer to work alone because I don't really need somebody to motivate me or tell me what to do. And it's mm -hmm. almost easier to work alone. So if I met a one back to your question, Kelsey, if I met a one who was struggling with motivation, that kind of burnout, I think, well, number one, read, try softer. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, number two. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> well, I think we all, any number, I think, can reach burnout if we're not, mm -hmm. you know, we, we cannot pour from an empty cup. So mm -hmm. to take that time to return to the basics and make sure that you're nourishing your spirit and your body and your mind and, and all that. Mm -hmm. um, How do you do that if you have some practical examples? <laughs> well, as you get older, too, I think it's just a reality of your body is aging uh, and you just have to kind of be smarter about it. Like the mm -hmm. things I could get away with when I was younger, you know, staying up super late or not minding some of my, you know, those healthy care habits, they just catch up with you and you pay a price. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I have a, a really locked in morning routine and it's very it's how I, I start my day on my own terms. There's a really specific list of things that I do in the morning before I kick myself out the door. And I used to once in a while I would yield it like let's say I had a friend and I wanted to see them and they only offered me like let's do coffee earlier. Let's go for an early morning walk. And younger me probably used to do that more often. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I never do it, but um, more often because I somehow win it value that I really show up in the world as a better me, more energetic when I have mm -hmm. had that time in the morning to start my day on my own terms and really take care of my my spirit, that I spend time with the Lord. I spend time, you know, nourishing my body and doing all those things that help me show up, you know, then better able to serve other mm -hmm. people because I've taken care of myself first. That's so well said. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. What advice? And then I'd love to know yeah. your self-care tips. I've found that I experience burnout most when I'm just kind of going day to day, mm -hmm. um, just trying to make it through the day, trying to make it through the make it to the weekend. You know, mm -hmm. um, what's helped me this past year has been to kind of zoom out and see the big picture. Mm -hmm. You know, where are we headed? Where's my family headed? Um, we we have a new son. He's he's um, we talked about it before, but he's going to be a year and a half. And and so for me, um, I'm like, okay, how how can we structure our household? Like what direction are we going to go and, and who are we going to be? That's what motivates me is to kind of zoom out and see the big picture of, mm -hmm. of who we are and where we're going. Um, and so if you're able to have space to just think about those things, I feel like that's, that's a way and maybe not for everybody, but at least for me, that's a way to kind of ground myself and go, okay, like, you know, this, this day might be tough. Tomorrow might be a struggle, but like, 
you know, it's one day at a time and, and, and we're going to point ourselves towards this direction and this goal. Yeah. Taking time to draw back, see the big picture, remember why you do the things that you do and who you are and whose you are. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. I love that. You guys, thank you so much. This was so good. Y'all said some really wonderful things, gave really good insights, not just into the Enneagram one, but also the wings. Thank yeah. you so much You're for joining welcome. us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening to this conversation with Enneagram One's Jana Whitaker and Jake Geyer. Did you know that I lead Enneagram team trainings for small teams of 20 or fewer? That's right. If you are part of a small team and you want to bring the wisdom of the Enneagram to your work environment, go to valleypointcoaching.com and see which training is best for your team. And if you enjoyed this conversation, would you do me a favor and consider leaving a review explaining what was most helpful to learn about the wings for the type one? Thanks so much for your support and I'll see you next time.